Good morning. One of the things I love about worshiping here is that our worship leaders always um, lead us in songs that are true and accurate. And I don't know if you've been paying attention at all to the words that you're singing this morning, but I hope you mean what you're singing. But if you're looking at those words while you sing them, then I would think you're thinking what I'm thinking, which is this sounds scarier and less quaint. I'm reading these words like, break me and mold me and make me look like Jesus. And maybe it's just because it's in the context of what we're teaching about this morning that I think, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I don't know if I can sing that loudly without some fear and trembling. I don't know if I can say, stir in us a fire that the world can't explain so that they would look at us and they would see Jesus without a little bit of fear. And I don't know if you can do that this morning either, but I would just challenge you as we sing, we're going to have an opportunity to respond in worship this morning. And as we do that, I would just say, look at the words before you sing them, because don't start singing stuff you don't believe or you don't want God to do. Because if you come in here on a sunny morning and you sing, break me, and then you get broken, don't blame us. (laughs) That's between you and God. We are ending this morning a three-week series on the vision of the church, why we're here, who we are as the church, as Redemption Hill Church, as the church like the big C, the church in the world, God's people in the world. Why are we here? Because we don't want you to walk in here every Sunday just because you feel like it's the good thing to do, just because you feel like I should be at church because it's right to be at church or it's better to be at church. That's not why we want you to be here. So why are we here? What's the point? That's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we, we've been trying to answer that question. In the first week we said, we're here because we want to know God. We want to know who He is. Because we believe that as we grow in our understanding of God, as we get to know Him, it will change our lives. We really believe that. That as we begin to understand how desperately God loves us, how he's pursued us, how he's fought for us, how he paid an immeasurable price to bring us back into relationship with him, that we can't help but just fall in love with him once we understand that that's a real thing, that it really changes our lives knowing that. It changes how I see myself. Knowing that about God changes how I see myself. I have a view of myself that says I am loved by God. I am a child of the King. I'm worth fighting for. I'm worth chasing down. I'm worth Jesus to God. That's the value that he placed on me. You're worth Jesus to me. That's what God says to us. God has rescued us, not just out of bad behavior. He has rescued us out of separation from God forever. Every good thing that God intends for us, we lose without Him. And He saved us out of that. It changes how I see other people. Not just how I see myself, but how I see other people. When I know that about God, how much He loves me, then when I look around the world, I only see two kinds of people. I see people who know how much God loves them, and I see people that don't know how much God loves them. At least not yet. 
It changes the way I see myself. It changes the way I see other people. And it changes the way that I see God. Depending on what your view of God is before you come to Him, before you surrender your life to Him, it may look different for you. But I no longer see God as just an angry old man who's up in the clouds throwing lightning bolts at people. I no longer see God as someone who just set the world into motion and then walked away and whatever happens just happens. I no longer see God as distant and unloving and uncaring or someone that takes pleasure in all of the pain and discomfort that we experience. All of a sudden, I see God as a loving father. That's my view of God. God is a loving father who has done everything in his power to tell me how much he loves me. That's the God that we know. So as we come to know God, it changes everything. Changes how we see everything. And once we know God that way, we can't help but tell people how it's changed our lives and changed the way we see ourselves and the way we see others and the way we see God, which is a good thing because that's exactly what he tells us to do. The first week we said we want to know God, and the second week we said we want to be on his mission, we want to pursue his mission. And Jesus says if you've experienced the love of God in your life, If that's a reality for you, then you need to tell people, you are part of my plan. And when he unfolds his plan in Luke 24, he says, here's how the plan works. I will die. I will take your place so that you can be reconciled to the Father. I'll do that. Then I will be raised back to life to demonstrate that I have the power over sin and death and Satan. And then you, the third part of the plan, you tell people what I've done. You share the story. That's your job. That's your assignment as the church, as God's people. So pursue my mission in the world. Go tell people how much I love them because there are people in the world that don't know how desperately I love them. That's what it looks like. So why are we here every week? What's the point of coming here every week? Well, that we would know God, for one. That we would pursue his mission in the world, which is to tell people how much he loves them. And that we would do that together as God's family. That's the third piece. That's the third thing we're going to look at this morning. If you're looking at your sermon notes this morning, it says, be the family. That we would be the family of God here. What does it mean to be a family? What does that look like? Everyone kind of has a different experience of family. Every family is different. Growing up in my family... The four of us are all quite different. My mom, my dad, my brother, and I are actually quite different, but there are things that just make us similar. There's kind of a family resemblance between us, sort of characteristics and qualities that make us look the same. I heard this great story that illustrates this. I heard this great story this week about a a young boy who was adopted into a family. He was adopted from Asia by an American family, and they all went out to dinner one night, and they were sitting next to another family, and this young boy started talking with another young boy at a table next to him. And like they do, kids just ask questions that we would not ask as adults. So eventually in the conversation, it comes up. The boy at the other table looks at this boy and he says, why don't you look like your mom? And the little boy says, because she's a girl. (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) The thing is, family isn't just about looking like each other. In the way we appear, family is about being like each other, the qualities and the characteristics that make us like one another. A family resemblance is not that we all look the same. 
family resemblance can be that we all act the same or we all talk the same or we do the same kinds of things. For my family, we just learn different things from each other. From my dad, I remember that you learn to do things the right way and you learn to do things the right way the first time. It saves you time and it saves you energy and when you're done doing things the right way, you put things back where they belong and everything has a place where it belongs. I learned that from my dad. For example, when you organize your toolbox, standard screwdrivers face one direction, Phillips head screwdrivers face the other direction. Then when you look in the drawer, you know exactly what you have from the very beginning. You, that's a, you can take that. That's free to you. I learned that from my dad. And if you were to go home and look at my toolbox, you will see that. Because it looks like my dad's toolbox because my dad has shaped me in my life. I learned certain things from my mom. I learned from my mom how to keep things clean and tidy, like really clean and really tidy. I learned from my mom how to be selfless, how to put the family before yourself. The family comes first. I learned from my mom how to have fun. My mom is a fun person. I remember distinctly when my dad left on a business trip, my mom bought us donuts for dinner. How cool is that? And she made up a whole song and sang the song about having donuts for dinner on the way home. It was so cool. Learned how to be fun from my mom. So you can see that from my parents, I have been shaped. I've been changed. I look more like them because they rubbed off on me. You can see why I have these sort of obsessive, compulsive tendencies to organize and have things in their proper place. But you can also see how it shaped my character and changed who I am. And my brother and I are both the beneficiaries of that. And people would look at us in our professional life and say, you're just like your brother. And that was a compliment. And that was ultimately a compliment to my parents. Here's the thing. Learning how to do all those things wasn't always fun. We didn't always like that. It's not always easy or comfortable to learn those things, but they have served us well in our life. In a family, we rub off on each other. We shape each other. We change each other so that we start to look more and more like each other. And then when we receive compliments for being that way, we can point to the person who made us that way. That's what it looks like. You develop a family resemblance. So this morning, that's what we're going to talk about as a church. We're going to look at what it means to be the family. We're going to look at what it means for our church to know God and to pursue his mission, but to do that together as the family of God. We're going to look at scripture this morning, and before we do that, I would just ask, if you would join your hearts with me, if you would just pray as we open God's word. Heavenly Father, we want to be people who are changed by you. It's what we've sung to you this morning, and we want to mean it, but we know that that's hard, and that can be uncomfortable. So we pray, Lord, this morning you would give us a picture of what it looks like to be your family, and that we would be a family that represents you well, that points people to you. We pray as we open your word that you would speak to us through it. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we brought one for you. You will find it in the seats. About every four or five seats you'll find a Bible and you're welcome to use that. If you don't have a copy of God's Word or you like ours in particular, you're welcome to just take that home with you. That's our gift to you. Colossians chapter 3, way toward the back of your Bible in the New Testament. If you're using our Bible... It's going to be page 984. 
that's where you're going to find us this morning. Now, there are a lot of places in Scripture we could go to talk about what it looks like to be the family of God. So we had to choose one this morning. But I chose this because I think Paul gives us a good picture of the characteristics and the qualities of the followers of God as they relate to one another. As we are the family together, as we pursue this together, what does it look like to be the family? And I want you to look at a couple of things as we look at this this morning. I want you to look at how being the family of God changes us. It changes us in three specific ways, the ones we already talked about. It changes me, it changes the people around me, and it changes how I see God. We're actually going to see that pattern twice in just six verses this morning, how it changes me, how it changes those around me, and how it changes my view of God. There's something else I want you to consider this morning as we look at this passage. We keep saying, well, I keep saying, that being in the family of God, being part of the family of God, changes us and it shapes us. And usually when we talk about being the family or the community, we use really like positive words for that. Like, yay, we get to do it together. But the truth is, it's actually really hard. We use this in the same way we would say going to the gym changes you or shapes you. Right? We'd say it's a good thing. If you go to the gym and you put in the work, it's going to shape you, it's going to change you, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy, and it doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable. I think we have a tendency to sugarcoat what it means to follow Jesus and to follow Jesus as part of a family, and I think let's just go in with our eyes open as we look at this and say, it's not necessarily easy to be changed. That's why I commented on the songs that we're singing this morning. Let's be careful what we wish for, because we can get real excited about, yay, I have a family, but it's like, yay, there's a bunch more people to annoy me. That's kind of what this looks like, okay? So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, just read these first few verses with me. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful." I don't know if you see the pattern, but let's look at it a little bit more closely together. First, Paul gives us a list of traits, characteristics, and qualities of what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. Here's what I want you to put on if you're a follower of Jesus. We know he's talking to the followers of Jesus because at the beginning of the chapter, verse 1, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ. He's speaking to Christians, saying if you're going to follow Jesus, you are chosen by God. You are loved by God. That is a true statement about who you are. That's how he starts, verse 12. You're part of the family, so then you ought to look a certain way. There are certain characteristics that are meant to rub off on you so that you start to take on this family resemblance. I start to look like I belong to God's family. But then look at what he lists. When we talk about how does it change me to be a part of the family of God, Paul says, this is what I want you to put on Look at the words that he uses. The first one, compassionate heart. Put on a compassionate heart, a tender heart, a sympathetic heart. It's an outward-facing attribute. I'm tender-hearted, I'm compassionate, I'm sympathetic to others, right? That's what compassion looks like. 
He says, put on kindness, be considerate, be gentle. Where's that directed? Toward others. He says, be humble, put on humility, not proud, be modest, don't put yourself over other people. What's the next one that he gives us? Meekness. And we have a lot of different understandings of what meekness looks like. This is my favorite definition that I looked up. Being patient under harassment or annoyance. That's what it looks like to be meek. To be patient in the midst of being annoyed or harassed. And then what's the last one? Patience. Actually very similar, right? Here's a great definition of patience. Bearing annoyance under provocation or pain. Okay, do you see what all of these things have in common? They're all outward-facing attributes, and they all anticipate what? Pain, provocation, annoyance. They all anticipate that as a part of the family of God, I'm going to experience people who have pain and hurt in their life, or I'm going to experience people who are going to cause me pain or hurt. That's the deal. I am going to experience annoyance. I'm going to experience provocation. So I think what Paul is saying is, if you're a follower of Jesus, then be like Jesus. We say that all the time. Lord, make me more like Jesus. And then Paul says, if you're going to be like Jesus, buckle up, because it's not that easy to be like Jesus. You're going to have to put on these character qualities that say, I am going to have to put up with people who are hurting and who will hurt me. I'm going to have to bear that as part of God's family. I'm going to have to prepare myself to be Jesus to other people. Does that make sense? I feel like if Paul just said, hey, be cold-hearted, selfish, proud, and impatient, we'd be like, great, I'm done. I don't need anybody to shape me now. I'm already like that. That's what changing means. That's what shaping means. I'm going to become something that I'm not. I'm already selfish. I don't need to become that. I need to become more like Jesus, and that's a painful, uncomfortable, difficult process. And we have to do that in relation with other people. That's how it changes me. How does it change other people? Look at verse 13. He says, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive putting up with one another, and forgiving each other. That's what it looks like for us to do this together. This is how we are like Jesus to each other within the family of God. If we want to be the family, that means we're going to put up with each other. That means we're going to forgive each other when we hurt each other. Being a part of God's family, the more we read God's word, is not a picnic. This is not that easy to do. And he's saying, I want you to be prepared for what this looks like, and here's what it's going to cost you. Why do we do this? I mean, I'm like two verses in, and I'm thinking, okay, why? Why do I want to be a part of the family? Can't I just follow Jesus by myself where none of you people will bother me? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to love people this way? We love this way because we've been loved this way. We forgive people because we've been forgiven. Paul doesn't say when someone in the family of God hurts you, consider forgiving them. Do you see what he says? You also must forgive. You have to because you image Jesus to the world and to God's family. You're a picture of Jesus to them. 
So you have to forgive. Your life makes a statement about who you believe God is. You represent him to the world, and he forgives, so you forgive. That's the deal. That's what it looks like to be in the family of God. He says, above everything you put on love. Love is what holds all of it together. Love is the thing that drives all of these things. I'm going to allow myself to become these things because I have love for God's family. Why do I have that love? Where does it come from? Just like we said, we can love this way because we've been loved this way. That is an expression of God's love in the world. It's an expression of God's love to one another. A family that loves each other will put up with each other. They will forgive each other. They will begin to look like Jesus to one another because Jesus is characterized by love. So we see how it shapes us. We see how it's meant, we're meant to shape each other within the family of God. How does it change my view of God? The first thing, maybe the easiest thing I would say in looking at this is it shows us how hard it is to love like God loves when we really start to try to do this, all of a sudden we have like a new realization of how good God is at loving us. Because he's all these things. He loves us that well. We look at a list of traits like that and we look at a list of commandments and a, the, he says you have to forgive each other and we say, who can do this? Like who could possibly live like this? And one hand goes up. God says, I do. I love like this. And if you're part of my family, that's going to rub off on you. And you're going to start to look like me and you're going to start to love like me. When we love like that, it points to God. And when we look at a list like this, it points to God. Because we see all of a sudden what he's like and it forces us to see him and understand his love in a totally new way. But look at verse 15. It says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. What else does it do? How else does it change my view of God? It means I begin to surrender every part of my life to Jesus because I realize how hard it is to follow him. I start to bring everything under him so that the peace of Christ rule. Let Christ govern your heart. Every thought, every action comes under him now. I'm slowly surrendering my selfishness and my pride my lack of forgiveness, my lack of grace with other people, I'm starting to give that up to Christ and say, make me more like you. Help me to be more like you. I'm going to give up these things because I'm going to let you rule and govern my heart now. I'm going to give it up to the one that loved me like that in the first place and the one that called me to be a part of his family. That's who I'm going to give it to. Then look at me. Look, not look at me. Look with me at the next verse, verse 16, and see if you can see this same exact pattern repeated again. Verse 16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Do you see the pattern again? It says, Let the word of Christ dwell in who? You, richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you Richly, it's how it changes me as a follower of God. As part of God's family, I would take personal ownership of God's word. If I were to tell you someone was rich, how much money do they have? A lot. If you were to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, how much is that? It's a lot. As followers of Christ, you are meant to be saturated in the word of God. You are meant to soak in it. 
You are meant to own it. That's what he says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he says, teaching and admonishing who? One another. How does it change those around us? We teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. We're meant to teach each other. We're meant to help each other. We're meant to counsel each other. How do we do that in all wisdom? As he says, is that, do I just drum up some wisdom? No, where does my wisdom come from? From the Word of God that I'm soaking in. I'm saturated in His Word. And then as I come into the body of Christ, I help to shape other people with the wisdom that comes from God's Word. That's where it comes from. Do you see why this has to happen together? How am I shaped by myself? I can be shaped by the Word of God, certainly. But who's going to come into my life and say, Dennis, there's something out of line here. You need to correct this. I think, according to God's Word, I think we're supposed to look like this. That's kind of annoying, and it's kind of the way it's supposed to work. Say, we're not doing it right. Let's do it better together. That I might see that same thing in my friend's life and say, hey, somebody help me with this. Let me help you with this, because I see the same inconsistency in what you say you believe and how you live it out. Let's be the family of God. Let's help each other move this forward. Let's do it together. It has to happen together because we shape each other together. That's where it happens. Then the last thing he says is, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to who? To God. It changes me. We change each other. changes how we see God. Once again, we see that the response is praise. The response is praise and thanksgiving to a God who loved us this way. Because the more we know Him through His Word, the more we fall in love with Him. Because the more we try to be like Him, the more we realize how hard it is to love like God loves, and the more grateful we are for a God who loves us that way anyway. Because the more we understand Scripture and the more we understand ourselves the smaller and smaller we feel. And the more we feel the weight of our sin and the more broken we know we are and the more out of step with God we see that our lives are. And so we get very, very, very small. And the more we read God's word, we see the more loving God is and how much he forgives us and how great he is and how much he cares for us. And he just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the chasm between a tiny little me and a great big God just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The more I look at Scripture and I just say, how is this possible? And all of a sudden, the cross that bridges the gap from me to God and allows me to get to Him becomes enormous. And what do I do when I see the cross that covers the gap between me and God? I just praise God for putting the cross there that gets me back to Him. That's the gospel. That's why we come to God's word and we soak ourselves in it. That's why we come together as a family and we say, let's help each other follow God so that we would see him. And then people might walk into this place and see us trying to follow God, just a bunch of normal people with regular people problems, and say there's something different about the way you guys relate to each other. There's something different here. Why are you different? And then we might be able to look at them and say, because we look a little tiny bit like our dad. There's a little bit of a family resemblance between us and our dad, and let us tell you about him. Because if you want that same relationship and you want to be a part of the family of God, our dad is rich, and he adopts. That's the God that we know and love and serve. That's what it looks like to be in the family of God. 
that we help each other picture God to a world that doesn't know Him yet. And then they might see us and see a little bit of our God. What does it mean for us to commit to being the family of God? It means I commit to being changed. I commit to being changed. I commit to becoming more like Jesus. That's part of it. What's the other part? Well, I commit to shaping other people and being shaped by other people in God's family. That's mean I'm, I'm going to be Jesus to you and I'm going to become more like Jesus through you. Do you see that? We're going to shape each other. We're going to help each other be more like Jesus if we're doing it right. We could also, by the way, not do that. We could help each other not be at all like Jesus. Let's not do that. Let's hold each other accountable to what we've said we want to do, which is I want to follow Jesus. I want to know God, and I want to pursue his mission in the world, so help me do it. That's on us to do it together. So it changes me. I'm committed to becoming more like Jesus. I'm committing to shaping you and you being shaped, or you shaping me. And then I'm committed to surrendering everything to Jesus for Jesus. Changes how I see God. So all of a sudden I say, okay, you get it all. And you get it all, not for me, but for you. You get it all for your glory. I get all the benefits of it. I get all the benefits of being a follower of Jesus. But the reason I surrender my life to Christ and I live as a part of the family of God is that we would picture Christ to the world, that we would be a preview of the kingdom of God right now, and people would see it. Being in community with each other forces us to change. It gives us an opportunity to forgive. It gives us an opportunity to teach. It gives us an opportunity to learn from each other. That's what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. And all of that is done for God, for His glory. John 13, it says, They will know you are my followers. Why? Because of your love for each other. I remember that old hymn we used to sing in church when I was growing up. They will know we are Christians by our love. We are governed by by love. Love is the family resemblance. That's what makes us look like God. The way we treat each other and how we act, that we start to look more like Him and we start to care more about the things that He cares about and we start to talk about Him. We start to talk like Him. We start to see people the way God sees people. We act like Him. Ultimately, we love like Him. That's the goal, that we would be a church that loves like Jesus. That would be amazing. So what does it look like to be a part of that family here, Redemption Hill Church? How do I be the family, as we put it, here? I think there's a lot of ways we look like that. Let me just give you a handful. Part of being changed to be more like Jesus is just putting on these things that Paul has talked about, compassionate heart, humbleness, Humility, I think, is how he put it, which sounds better. <laughs> Kindness. We're putting others before ourselves. We're concerned about the body. Somebody put it to me this way. Being a part of the family of God's like being in a family, and in a family, you have a lot of dishes to do. There's a lot of chores. You have a lot of people in your family. You have a lot of dishes to do. Someone's got to do the dishes. What does it look like to be a part of the family of God? Do some dishes. Serve the family of God. Love the family of God. Care for the family of God. How do I do that here? On the back table, there's a paper 
of every one of our seven core ministries shows you, if I want to get involved, if I want to serve the family here, what does it look like? There's an opportunity for you there. Almost every one of those seven core ministries needs help. They need people to help. I'm seeing more and more of you serving and being a part of those things, and it just it makes me so excited to see us working together to make this happen, to become the family. But if you're looking for a place to serve, let me just tell you what those are so you know. We have a logistics team. You guys and gals know who you are. It includes some of our kids that are in the other room, by the way. Men, women, kids, adults, seniors, all are part of that team that just set us up every Sunday and tear us down every Sunday. And the hope and dream of Tim and Rick, who head up those teams, is that they would have three teams that set up and tear down instead of two. We're getting close. But if you're like, I'm just looking for a place to serve, and I don't really know what I can do, but I can move stuff around, that's a perfect place for you. And you can find out more about it in the back. We have a hospitality group, a group that sets out coffee and water and donuts and greets you as you come in. And what we would love is that when people come in, they feel welcome to be a part of our family. That's, what that, that's their whole goal, is that people would come in and say, this is kind of different. People care that I'm here, and they notice that I'm here, or they notice when I'm missing. That's what we want our family to express to people, that they would say something's different about this place. And if you have a heart for welcoming people or for showing hospitality, we would just direct you to them. We have a children's ministry. We had them all, all our teachers and helpers lined up here. They didn't even fit up here. But if that's something God's put on your heart, we need people to teach our kids. We don't just warehouse them here on Sunday morning. We teach them. We care for them. We play with them. We tell them the gospel. We tell them about God so that they, he, they would know him and want to pursue his mission. We need people to help us do that. So help us there. We have a prayer team that comes every Sunday at 9.30 in the back and prays for you. Prays for you and for me and for our kids and for the teachers and for the school and Dr. Bailey and the administration. And they just pray through it all. All those prayer requests that you put in to get prayed through by that team in the back. Faithful little group of five or six people. I would love it if that group were 40. There's room. There's lots more chairs and tables back there. And I would just invite you, be a part of it. Just show up and pray. Let's see what God will do, because it's not up to us to do the work, it's up to Him. So let's ask God to do the work. We have a worship team and the tech team that work together to make this happen, to lead us in worshiping God, that our response would be thankfulness to God, that we would praise Him, that we would say crazy things like shape us and mold us and break us and make us look more like Jesus, and that they would lead us in that and help us to understand what that means, that it would be genuinely the cry of our heart as the family of God that he would do a work in us. So part of being the family is doing the dishes. Part of being the family is being together, not just on Sunday morning, but being with each other where we have an opportunity to shape each other, to surround myself with other people who say, I want to know God more. I want to saturate myself in his word, and I want to pursue his mission in the world. I just don't know how to do it, and it would help me to have someone to do that with. Great. Join a life group. That's exactly what it's designed for, that we would surround each other with people who love the Lord and want to pursue his mission in the world and just say, okay, let's do it together. Let's do it together. What else does it look like? It looks like when we come together as a church on Sunday morning and we just worship him. We just come together as the family of God 
and we remind each other. We just sing and praise God and say, what a great God, because I just spent a week not looking at all like Jesus. So when I come back to church on Sunday morning, I just say, wow, what a great God who loves me like that. What an amazing God we serve. You have your connection card. I just want to point that out to you, ask you to take that out right now. If any of those things are an interest to you, there's a place on your connection card where you could respond. You say, I want to be shaped to be more like Jesus. I want a place to serve. You can just check on there. I want, I want to serve. You say, I want to be in a life group. There's a place on there that says, I want to be in a life group. Some of you are here this morning and you're thinking, everything you're talking about is something that I want. I want to be a part of that family. I want to know that God that you're talking about, the one that fights for me and pursues me. And I want to know that God. There's a place on your connection card where it just says, I want to be a follower of Jesus. And we would love to have that conversation with you and we'd love to talk to you about that. It's why we're here, that we would take on a family resemblance, that we would look like Jesus. There's one other opportunity that I want to point out to you as we close this morning. We're going to just have an opportunity to praise God as God's family. And as we do that, I want to remind you, don't sing it if you don't mean it. We have an opportunity to respond in worship to Him. But there's one other opportunity that I want to make known to you, and it's Saturday. This Saturday is the Love La Habra event. This is an opportunity to be Jesus to our community, to just say, we're going to serve you because, because Jesus loves us, so we're going to love La Habra. And there are a bunch of churches that are involved, and there are a bunch of volunteers that have committed. But here's, here's what I would love to see, is that all of us would just go onto the website and sign up and say, I'll serve somewhere. I'm just going to serve the city so that someone might say, what brought you here today? Why are you here loving La Habra? And just say, I love because I've been loved. Give me an opportunity to tell the story of God and what he's done in my life. That might seem really scary to you. But we are here to point people to Jesus. There are only two kinds of people in the world. The people who know how much God loves them and the people who don't. And Love La Habra gives us an opportunity to be with some people that don't know how much God loves them. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to worship you now. I pray that you would hear our voices, that we would sing like we mean it, that you would change us and shape us. We love you because you loved us first. We thank you and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen.